No one knows what future holds, but if a new house is in your future, I can help. From a safe distance. I'm Nick Acosta, your downtown expert, and I'm hosting safe and sanitary open houses. Nothing is different except for temperature checks at the door and masks are required. But it still smells like there are fresh baked cookies in the oven. So come on by one of my safe and sanitary open houses, and I'll say welcome home from six feet away. This is Home to All, an all-inclusive real estate podcast with your host, Nicholas Acosta. Nick sits down with guests to talk about real estate and how it works. Reach him at downtown.expert on Facebook and Instagram or his website, www.downtown.expert or call or text him at 407-508-8809. Enjoy the episode. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Nicholas Acosta, Friday, June 4th, 2021, coming to you live from St. Peter, Florida. This is home to all all inclusive real estate podcasts. Of course, I've got Mike Synthetic from Blanchard Insurance on with me. And then we also have Josh Rivera from Burns and Wilcox joining us to talk about cyber liability today. Welcome both to the show. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Nick, for having us. No worries. So, yeah, let's go on this uh, first Friday, I guess, of the month of June. Let's go ahead and start talking about cyber liability and what to look out for out there in this uh, new world that we live in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll introduce Josh. Josh is actually uh, one of our partners over at Burns and Wilcox, who is one of our underwriters uh, who helps us out with a lot of our uh, cyber liability risks uh, through different uh, companies like Coalition, uh, to name one, uh, who your insurance is with, Nick. So it's it's great to have him on here. He's uh, kind of an expert more so than uh, I am in this field. It's great to have him on here. So I'm going to let uh, Josh introduce himself a little more. Sure. Thanks. Um, so, yeah, so I, I currently work with Burns and Wilcox. Um, I've been doing professional liability uh, for about a little bit over nine years now. Um, and uh, what professional liability is, is pretty much if you're offering uh, some type of service, then it's the exposure for that that you're offering. So, you know, for example, real estate services, the errors and emissions for that. Um, so under the professional liability umbrella falls the cyber so cyber right now is it's just huge. It's one of the most robust policies um, right now in the market. Um, the coverages are constantly ever changing. Uh, you know, enhancements are being added. Uh, most companies right now are offering some type of cyber coverage. Um, so some of them are offering a standalone cyber policy or they're adding some kind of cyber enhancement to another portion of the policy. So if you have a, a standard GL policy, general liability policy, they'll add um, some kind of cyber component just so that you can see um, that you do have that. It's something that, uh, like I said, it's it's in the forefront. So we're seeing you know, the, the attacks on the pipeline. We're seeing the attacks on that meat market recently. Um, so the carriers are, are, are capitalizing in that and making sure that uh, all, all, you know, all the insurance have coverage and are kind of understanding, um, you know, that the carriers are trying to provide coverage for that. What, what type of limits are you seeing on the standard general liability policy where they added as an enhancement, as you said, or to the typical business owner's policy? Let, let's say for like a title company or like a real estate office. So with those enhancements, um, what they do is they'll add a, a sublimit 
Uh, the sublimit can be anywhere from $25,000 and up. Um, it's something that you really want to have your agent, um, to, you know, really go through the wording for it. Um, a lot of those that are just enhancements are what they're what they called um, reimbursements. So if you do have some type of cyber loss, the $25,000 isn't um, upfront. It's something where you have to pay out $25,000 and then later on get reimbursed. So that's why I typically go ahead and, and tell my insurance it's, it's way better off to just get a standalone policy um, of at least a million dollars in limits and up. Um, and that way you have that coverage. You don't have that reimbursement. Um, it's, you know, dollar one defense. So you have that coverage from the get. You don't have to go ahead and go ahead and dish out the money um, beforehand. You know, um, a lot of the sublimits for these enhancements as well go from, you know, 25,000, 100,000, 150,000. But if you're having to pay that up front, um, you need to have that that cash available. And if not, then it's it, you know, it turns into an issue. Yeah, and uh, to add on to what Josh just said too, uh, a lot of the coverage enhancements aren't going to be included in the sublimits. So they're not going to go out and have an active response to a cyber incident. So they're not going to have like, for example, like Coalition has a whole program that's designed to recover, you know, recover data. They uh uh, go up against ransomware attacks and whatnot. And it's, it's what they're doing is like a lot of due diligence on the front end and the back end, unfortunately, if you do have a claim. So with the, and as Josh was saying, when you just have it as an endorsement added on to your regular business owner's insurance, it's commonly just going to be like a reimbursement. There's not going to be a lot of bells and whistles, not a lot of support uh, that is built behind that. Right. So yeah, what, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that the you know the coverage enhancements from you know something that's just endorsed endorsed on as opposed to a um, a standalone policy. The, the main the main one is a cyber crime, which is what we're seeing right now in the news. So that cyber crime is is huge, and usually for those endorsements that are just added on, they're not covering that. So um, that's another another important fact to to take into consideration when you're looking into getting the cyber. Let me ask you a question about cyber, because this is a question I've always had is I know most of the risk in regarding to people actually working in you know, your organization. And as everybody knows, you know, the larger a small business or a medium sized business becomes and it turns into a larger business, the more, unfortunately, the risk you're going to have is protecting yourself against sometimes your own staff. Uh, you know, if you have, you know, it's, it's pretty manageable if you have a staff of, you know, 50 or under or 20 or under. When you get into a business as a staff of somebody like 200 people, it's hard to mitigate that risk because your risk, you know, starts going through the roof. Now, does cyber liability uh, protect a business from in, you know, the you know crime that's internal, like some employee phishing and stealing data information? Or is there something you need to add on top of that? No, it does cover that. So that would be your first, that's, that's your first party exposure right there. So you have someone within the office that's trying to, um, you know, steal some type of information. Um, that's first party and that's definitely covered in, um, in a cyber policy. So, um, you know, once the cover, once your, your office starts getting larger and larger, that's when you start um, really focusing on having a carrier that offers uh, classes that you can kind of um, request to have to make sure that the staff are taking um, 
you know, make sure that the staff know, you know, what the exposures are with emails, with random emails, with random links to start clicking on, um, you know, make sure that the controls that you have within the company are being followed in case um, someone asks for a deposit. Um, make sure that, you know, phone calls are being made to to um, to make sure that, that the person that's asking is really that person and not someone else. Um, and that's kind of what Nick was talking about earlier was the phishing is just making sure um, everything is is actually, you know, who that person is or who's requesting the, the information. Um, but yeah, once it gets larger and if you have someone within your company that's, you know, trying to, to do the phishing itself, that's definitely a first party coverage. And, and I think one of the things too, people, uh, regardless of industry, and especially in the insurance industry, because I mean, I know there's a new, we were talking about this a little bit last week, how especially in the insurance and real estate industry, there's a lot, there's a huge technology jump. I mean, the insurance industry has always been you know, lagging behind when it comes to technology. And as you've seen it too, Josh, in most recent years, we've made this huge jump to incorporating new technologies, new insure techs, uh, new ways of doing business. And the same thing on you know, where Nick is in the real estate world. And one thing I've noticed is, which is scary, is the incorporation of you know, virtual assistants or VA tech. And a lot of people think just because they go out and hire a virtual assistant, whether it's a company or whether it's an individual, and unfortunately on the insurance side, I see a lot of you know of my peers and colleagues across the nation going out and hire some you know some random virtual assistant in another country. And the thing that they negate is they think and they put their faith and their trust in that this person is, you know, using a secure VPN, has virus, you know, where, uh, you know, has their own cyber liability insurance. And in most cases, I would say nine times out of 10, if not more, you know, 99 times out of 100, they don't. Uh, and I look at that. And one of the questions I always ask is, you know, do you have this VA on a secure VPN? You know, what type of virus software are they using on their end? Uh, yeah, you might want to buy cyber liability on your side because guaranteed that's also, again, a huge risk. Are you seeing that as well? Yeah, I mean, we're seeing, you know, a lot of companies that aren't really doing their research when hiring a third party. Um, you know, they're not asking those important questions about, you know, if they have their own coverage, if they have, you know, their own controls in place. And that puts, you know, themselves in, in, in jeopardy if there is a, if there is a loss. Um, so what happens is that if your third party company does have a breach or does have something where it, you know, shuts their systems down, um, you want to make sure that your, your policy does cover the third party and does cover your business interruption. So what happens is that if, if that third party, if you're reliant on that third party, you know, being up and running and uh, you're losing money because of it, and you, you want to make sure that you have that coverage within your policy. And then again, you said that's most avail mostly available under the standalone cyber liability policies. Correct. Yeah, that's the, that's definitely something that's that's been an enhancement for the standalone policies. Now, something that's in, you know, just endorsed in as an enhancement. Um, I'm very doubtful that you know companies are offering that. Sure. Sure. Um, and what, what type of industries are you seeing affected the most, uh, you know, across the board with a lot of, you know, cyber liability attacks, uh, cyber crime, ransomware? Oh, it's everywhere. It's everywhere right now. I mean, you, one of the most, you know, probably one of the most vulnerable is real estate just because, you know, there's that transaction of money going across 
uh, back and forth. You know, you have um, people that are encrypting uh, emails with routing numbers, bank, you know, bank account numbers. So um, that's that's definitely something that's a huge loss right now. Um, I'm thinking, uh, I think I read recently that the losses are, you know, at least $230,000 and up uh, as far as an average. So, um, so yeah, but anything that's, you know, if you're saving any kind of personal identifiable, identifiable information, um, you have an exposure. And most, most of the time people just don't realize, you know, don't really realize that they'll say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a small business, you know, I have, I have nothing to worry about, but uh, vulnerable. <laughs> exactly. I like to, yeah, I like to always use the Target example. You know, Target had that loss, but uh, it actually came from their HVAC company. So really? the HVAC company, yeah, the HVAC company that that handles their freezers actually left the, you know, their their door open. So um, the HVAC company had that breach. And someone had that back door into Target, and they got in. So um, that's that's an example of you know a smaller company creating a, a you know a lot larger loss for a larger company. Yeah, right. what are you seeing on the uh, real estate side, Nick? Uh, are you hearing about any uh, other real estate agencies or brokerages running into some of these issues? Well, good thing that we we're talking about this today because I got a phone call today before we did the podcast. Uh, actually a client of mine um, and this happens a lot with brokerages and this has happened to me before too where either other real estate agents or other people out there on Facebook or Instagram that will try to pose as a real estate agent and steal your listing data so they can collect information on you like you know your name because you know how we have those sites like KB Core for example uh, inside real estate for a CRM uh, contact resource management and so they try to pose as us and this is happening more frequently, especially in the post-pandemic. And they create, they duplicate your listing, put their name on it. They get you to click on it and it steals their information. Really? So we're having a lot of people that are trying to mimic us so they can get that contact information so they can try to get in and break in uh, to their system or into their record or their personal information. That is. It's crazy. That's crazy. And I know we were talking about this pre-show. Uh, we were talking about this recently, and, and I'm not sure if everybody out there is really cognizant or knows about this, but a lot of states, uh, especially in our in, in the insurance industry, and I think it's the same for the real estate industry, uh, states like New York, I know, for example, South Carolina, probably California, definitely. And most recently, I saw today, Louisiana are requiring, if you do business in those states and you hold some type of license, in those states, you're actually required by a certain deadline to submit a cybersecurity plan. And the second caveat to that is if you do have a claim or have an instance or a, cyber, or a breach where, uh, you know, a residence in those states, personal information is stolen. I forget what the, I think the threshold depends on which state you're in, but I believe uh, New York was like, if you have, I think it was like 1200 or maybe a thousand clients where their information has been compromised, you're required now by New York state law to actually contact the, uh, you know, the insurance Office of Insurance Regulation, I would assume, and it's, you know, the, whoever manages uh, real estate uh, law up there, or, you know, um, 
you know, does that probably their version of the DVR, you're required to actually report that to the state. And that's just a new law that's requiring. And as we were discussing, uh, I probably see that coming to a lot more states. I think a lot of states are looking at it and see if it works or if it helps. And again, I mean, privacy has, you know, just become a huge issue. What do you got? What are your guys thoughts on that? You see a lot more oversight coming down. Yeah, Josh. Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. You're good. <laughs> no, yeah, I was gonna. I was just gonna add to that that uh, the laws. I mean, the laws are becoming more and more robust as time goes on. States are requiring um, a lot more information from people that are storing information on their on their systems. So, you know, something that the the you know a standalone policy would would cover is making sure that you're in compliance with whatever state. Um, you know, the person uh, resides in. So if you have, you know, if you're, if you're holding information from someone in New York or in California, those, those two states are going to have different laws. So you're going to have to notify them within a certain time period, notify them by a certain time period. You're going to have to offer credit monitoring services. So all that is money out of pocket if you don't have, if you don't have a policy. So if you do have a policy, that's something that you can just call a 1-800 number you know, like coalition, you have that that one eight hundred number you call, and they kind of just take everything from there. So, you know, they'll send forensics in, they'll see where the loss was, who um, whose information was stolen, what state they reside in, what laws you need to comply with. Um, so it's something where uh, all the states have different laws, and you just need to make sure that you follow that and and not you know cause a, some kind of suit towards you for not doing that. That's actually good to know. And that's a great question, Nick. Because, um, I mean, you're the real real estate expert here. Uh, when you're talking about even going not just at the state level, but are there different requirements depending on counties in Florida? Uh, yeah, I mean, every county has a different set of rules. Uh, but I think it definitely needs to be a statewide thing. And, and then, Josh, you're bringing up a good point that we do business. Well, we have, like, I'm my brokerage is registered in Florida. I only do business in Florida, but we do have people visiting from all over the country. So that just brings up a point where maybe down the road, we're going to have someone to oversight that we have to, if we know we're from another state, I guess we're going to have to comply with that state's law. If they were accessing my website, for instance, like let's say California or New York, and they go on my website because I just got pinged also on the website in Sweden and India today. So do we have to follow regulations in that country or that state if our, their data is compromised in terms of their, you know, a cyber attack on our website? Because we, as real estate agents, we don't carry, we don't keep financial records of any type. You know, yes, we do get pre-approval letters, uh, but they don't have any social security or identifying information. But we do have named email addresses and phone numbers. And I mean, that's still a golden ticket for cyber criminals out there. So how do we, yeah, so would that be something that maybe the another state would hold me liable for if somebody got its, their stuff stolen from me in Florida and they live in California looking at my yeah. site? Yeah, that's something that you definitely should um, should ask your, you know, whoever holds your policy. So I think I think um, Mike mentioned that you have a coalition policy. So that's definitely, that's definitely something that you should call them and say, hey, listen, if this were to occur, um, you know, whose laws would, would we have to follow? So um, my assumption is that you would have to follow 
uh, wherever that the person does reside in, uh, whichever state they reside in, um, that would kind of give you uh, an overview of what laws to follow and whatnot. But that's that's just an enhancement of why you should have a cyber policy because all these rules you can't keep track of. You know which yeah. state, which laws to follow. It's something that you know you that's that's the added factor of having a standalone policy. Is you can pick up the phone, call someone, and, and have that help um, right on the other side. So um, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely something that people don't really think about today. You know, as far as laws notifying notifying costs. Um, you know, is it is it something that comes out of your pocket? Is something that comes out of the limit? You know, all these questions come up, so it's it's definitely something to look into and and make sure that your policy is is covering what you need. And I know we were also talking, and this came up uh, in pre-show, uh, the subject of what's going on with you know um, more regulation coming down with like hand spam. And I know uh, Nick will chime in here a second because he's taken a lot of classes on that. And most recently, and I'll talk about this afterward, is the new texting regulations are coming down. So Nick, what are some of the things you've learned about, uh, you know, can spam in regards to email soliciting and whatnot that you've, you've uh, seen and learned? All right. So what I've gotten from my training experience and my experience as well is that when it comes to emails going out to potential buyers or sellers or advertising in general, email, all emails that are uh, soliciting real estate business, um, that basically you have to follow it, that law or that rule, just like the law like you do with the do not call registry. So you can get in just as much trouble as you would if you were to harass somebody by phone. Um, so, and they're on the list as a do not call list. So in terms of the can spam, getting back to that again, that, one, you have to have an option for them to an opt out option and also have a notice at the bottom of disclosure saying that they have the right to opt out of this. And that if you opt out of it, obviously they have to put this in our training constantly because I guess people, even though when a, a potential client or a client opts out of it, real estate agents and brokers will continue to override that and send emails again, which is a big no no, as we all know. So they're taking it very seriously. I know you're going to get into the text messaging thing, but I think you're going to probably tell me similar something similar to that or similar for us to hear on that because uh, if you're out there and they unsubscribe to your email chain, please do not, do not override that instead of sending them emails again because you'll get in serious trouble if you do it, just like the do not call registry. Yep. Yeah, yeah. A couple things I didn't notice uh, when I was doing some additional research yesterday was, I mean, I, I think there's like like seven or nine main points, uh, you know, that are out there on the web. And anybody can look it up. Just type in can spam. You can pull up, you know, federal laws that regulate it. But the three points or three or four points, I should say, that uh, I really always pay attention to is number one, yes, opt out, you know, unsubscribe, any type of button giving the person to opt out of those communications. And this is mainly for profit prospects uh, and new clients. I mean, like it's harder for them to come against you if you have a uh, relationship. I mean, if they've been a client for 10 years and, and you forget to send, you know, an unsubscribe solicitation or whatnot, it's, you know, that's not really that big of a deal. It's more so of, you know, cold calling or prospects, uh, if we can call them that. Now, the other couple things I noticed on there were identifying yourself as a legitimate person. So if I'm sending out an email to a prospect, I want to basically say I am 
calling you from Blanchard Insurance. This is the intent of my email that I'm sending you to solicit insurance or, or whatever it may be. Uh, the other thing I noticed on there, well, yes, that's exactly right there, was location, that you have to have a legitimate location listing of contact. So Nick's got to show that he's got a brokerage in St. Pete or a brokerage in Orlando. I have to show that I have an insurance agency in Orlando and I have to identify myself in the subject line. And, you know, and then I think the fourth point on there that was, you can't uh, disguise what you're doing. So if I'm trying to sell you insurance, I have to clearly state that. I can't say that, hey, you know, my, my, my name is Mike. I just want information about your car or your home. I and not say that I want to, you know, get the insurance. So I think some of the, you know, three or four main points on there are very important. And I see, you know, there's a lot of attorneys out there who are getting a lot of uh, people out there, but a lot of their prospects to kind of figure this out and, you know, come back against you. Uh, jumping and segueing over to the texting, I sit on a, a board of a technology company and this, uh, you know, was kind of brought to our attention most recently that some of the texting changes, and I forget what it is off the name of my head. You can probably look it up. I, I starts with an H, the new laws that are coming down, uh, maybe HB or house bill or or whatever, but uh, what's coming down is they are what is considered a business text and what is considered a personal text. So if Nick's going to send out uh, soliciting text to me, he the, the it's no longer going to be treated like a personal text. Uh, it's going to be more scrutinized. I forget what they usually, it's like 140 characters and you, you're often going to have an opt-in, opt-out, which a lot of texting services too. But what really got me was the way that they're opening up the opportunity for the actual providers, like, you know, your Verizon, your AT&T and everybody else uh, to actually Jason bill, Sam. sorry about that, bill at a different level. So instead of billing at, you know, what you would get on your average phone plan, they're going to be able to charge you a lot more money per text. And it's going to be highly regulated uh, from what I understand coming down. Now, a lot of technology companies, you're not going to have to figure this out. A lot of your, you know, yourself, a lot of the CRMs that, you know, people subscribe to a lot of the AMS systems and whatnot are trying to figure this out on their end. So if you're in the insurance industry and you subscribe to, let's say applied or Hawksoft or somebody like that, they're already trying to figure it out because they have texting solutions through their own CRMs. And I would imagine the real estate world, it's the same thing. If they, you have a certain CRM uh, system you're using, they're trying to figure that out because you're actually using their software to send out texts. But it's really interesting. Uh, what I'm interested to see is what's going to come down in regards to the billables on that, you know, so if, you know, you get unlimited text texting on your personal, you know, phone plan, now are you going to be charged, you know, an extra, you know, $500 per month or $1,000 per month once the, uh, you know, once the phone companies get to determine what those rates are, that's going to be interesting. And the compliance, because they're also saying that you're going to have the, whoever you're soliciting, you're going to have to keep records for your own compliance if somebody does opt out, and like Nick said before, and you don't honor that opt out. So that's interesting. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that, Josh? Like, Because I was just looking on here too, Mike, while you guys were talking and listening to you, that um, I guess always, maybe most brokerages or people may not know this, that when it comes to text messages, the Can Spam Act for email applies exactly the same to uh, text messaging they have to have the option to unsubscribe and at the bottom of my brokerage website through kb core it says specifically that if you click on this that you're giving us 
the author is or the you know an authorization to contact you by text, email, or phone. But you must you also have the ability to opt out if you choose to do so. And it has to be clearly like because we we're talking about misleading people and all that. It has to be clearly evident, obviously, what your message, what your purpose of contacting the person for is, and who you are. But also that it's very plain or plain to see where they can opt out of that. And I, I mean, there are real estate agents in this area. I'll tell you right now that I'm on their list. I am subscribed, and somehow they must put me back on that list because I'm like, are you serious? I just unsubscribed yesterday. Subscribed yesterday, and now they're sending me emails again. I'm like, please stop sending me messages. And I've even emailed their administrator for their email, whoever manages or monitors it, and they still ignored it. So, you know, you gotta you gotta make sure that, you know, this is serious, everybody out there, because I mean, maybe people are letting this go right now, but down the road, it's not gonna be a, you know, you're gonna get in trouble big time for this liability and cyber liability, for sure. Yeah, it's something that, that you know, it's just privacy as a whole. It's, you know, it's everyone, it's on everyone's mind. So it's your personal information, so. I always like to tell people, you know, if there's a law that was created, someone somewhere got sued and yeah. uh, and that law was created for whatever reason. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't I, I'm not surprised this is this is being, you know, tossed out right now. And, you know, all these regulations are, are being um, added. Um, but, yeah, like you said, it's it's definitely something that you want to comply with. It's not something that you want to take lightly and, and think, oh, OK, this person I'm subscribed, but I'm going to still send them an email anyways. It's, you know, you definitely want to to follow the, the laws and make sure that you're clean and and you're following, uh, you know, you're in compliance with the state and the state laws and the federal laws. Um, you don't want to put your business at risk um, for whatever reason, just because you wanted to send a, an email or a text. Um, it's it's you know, you want to make sure that you're following the laws. Yeah, absolutely. And to touch on what Josh said, I mean, the affordability for a small business for cyber insurance right now is very affordable. I mean, we we're talking about that last week. You know, Nick's new policy that he got was very affordable, you know, for for business. Uh, we do see and Josh can probably attest to this. I mean, when we're seeing loss ratios of you know 400 percent in the cyber world, we're seeing those premiums go up in the next few years. So get on board now, get a policy while it's still affordable. And as those premiums go up, so is the risk. And every time I, and I don't know how this happens. I don't know if it's karma. I don't know if it's you know, just the way the world works, but every time we ever hear somebody in the insurance world, that's, you know, this is never going to happen to me. That's the first person it always happens to. I don't know how it works. It just always works out that way. It's almost like you're tempting fate uh, at that point in time, if you believe in that. But uh, it always happens that way. And don't think like the size of your business, how small you are or how big you are, that it's it don't never think you're impervious to it because it will always happen. And, you know, that's what, you know, uh, businesses here like Blanchard Insurance uh, who work with Burns and Wilcox and, you know, our, our partner coalition to protect against these things. Because the last thing we want you to do and people don't even factor that in. We were talking about this again last week, you know, with Nick, where it's not just that it's the monetary savings, but it's the headache. And when you have a standalone uh, policy with a company like coalition, you can take that risk. You can take that claim and put it on the shoulders of somebody else. If you're having to handle that yourself, you might just bankrupt your own business just because 
all of your time and all of your effort in trying to find the capital to play, pay down this claim will literally bankrupt you. And I don't think people take uh, that into consideration that a lot of insurance is designed to take care of a problem that you don't have the time to do. And if you had the time to go to court and had the time to hire attorneys and do all that, I mean, that's you have to think about the money. I mean, when you're not spend, spending time working on your own business, I mean, you're losing money. Right. And that's, I, I love to, to, to tell that to people, you know, if you have a claim, if you have a loss, if you have a breach and you need to notify people and do all that stuff, you know, where's that money coming from? If you're not getting the coverage, do you have a bank account, you know, large enough somewhere to, to cover that stuff? You know, cause if not, if you're not getting the, the coverage, if you're not getting the policy, you're self-insuring and uh, that's going to get very expensive. And a lot of, a lot of companies just don't realize how expensive it can get um, and how many laws there are, like we've, you know, we've been mentioning um, to follow and to comply with. So it's definitely something to, to have. And you and it, it's not like personal injury either. I mean, like here in Florida, I mean, we all know about, you know, Morgan Morgan and Dan Newland and everybody's all so focused on personal injury. But people negate that every time there is an opportunity for these attorneys to find something else or find a new line of business that is profitable. And trust me, they are looking at it right now. They're doing initial studies to see, Hey, is this cyber liability? Is it profitable for us? Can we get enough, you know, complaints in, can we get enough litigation involved? Can we take this to trial? Is it money? You know, is there money in this? Cause like we said, I mean, they're not always good at practicing the law, but they're good at, they're some of the best business people I've ever seen in my life. And once they find it out, out that it is a viable business for them to get into, kind of like a line of work, guess what? The billboards are going to go up telling people out there, hey, have you been a victim of identity theft? Have you been a victim of this? Uh, did somebody, you know, steal your information? You know, call us at 1-800-LAWYER. I mean, that's coming down the pipe. I mean, you will see that. Yeah, and that's when you'll you'll notice the rates just skyrocket um, as the losses pour in. I mean, like you mentioned right now, I I mean I have a policy that that's coming up for renewal, and my underwriter's telling me that the rates have been changing every month, pretty much just because of the amounts of losses that are coming in. So, um, like Mike mentioned, it's it's something to get into right now. If you don't have the coverage, don't wait. Get into that. You know, get your policy um, and and make sure that you have that right now. Yes, absolutely. All right, guys. And so we reached the end of our show today. But um, so Jason or Josh, sorry, when we uh, I always ask my guests and then Mike, if you want to chime in after him for Josh, uh, when, uh, what is your advice? I guess you can make it cyber liability related for the week uh, or the weekend ahead for those listening and watching today. Yeah, just look into, you know, do some research. I mean, a lot of people, there's a lot of stuff on the Internet you can look up and kind of see, look into costs. You know, if you have a business and you're saving, you know, if you have any kind of personal identifiable information that you save in your system, even if it's for one week, you know, one day or whatever, um, you do have an exposure. Um, kind of look into, you know, different state laws. Look into notification costs. Look into what other costs there are. Look into phishing, you know, different glossary of terms. Uh, as far as what what kind of losses there are and kind of just do some research. I like to, you know, just tell people, hey, research this, research that and uh, be, you know, that way you can be cognizant of what's 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 to come. You know, if you get a weird text message, if you get a weird email, you can you can, you know, go ahead and just identify, hey, this is phishing or whatever, um, social engineering. 
um, and and be um, be familiar with all those terms, and then that way you can make a, a, a good choice into you know what kind of policy you want to get into, what kind of limits um, you think you need, and 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 call someone like Mike and have him talk you know talk um, your way uh, on what coverages you need and 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 what limits. Yeah, and I mean, I'll just uh, kind of tack on to what Josh said for, uh, you know, my sage advice for the week. And I think uh, I'll highlight one of the things he said, which is social engineering. I mean, it's getting more creative. I mean, I know we're all seeing it, whether it's in you know, your Facebook feeds or your, you know, you know, your Twitter account or your Instagram. I mean, that's a huge opportunity in a place that people kind of negate where they will exploit you. And I mean, I look whether, you know, you, you know, how much information you publish on Facebook. Uh, and I will say uh, people that I see uh, publish on, uh, people put everything out there on Facebook. And wh when you're doing that, uh, especially for business purposes, and I know a lot of businesses, shoot, we do it. A real estate uh, industry does it. Everybody does it. They're using social media for business. Uh, just think, be, just don't think because it's under your personal account that you know, you're not liable or you're not a target. Because I, I mean, I... Just this week, I mean, I'm getting a friend request, you know, like coming in. I just, I've noticed an uptick in it over the past like 12 months where you're just got more fraud and it's just coming from different IMs and different friend requests out there. And it's just people fishing. And the more data information they can get on you personally, the more it, the easier it is for them to mimic inside your own organization. And just like every other organization, we've had that. You know, I could have, if, you know, I'm working for Nick, I mean, somebody could be Mike and talking to Nick and Nick not even know it's Mike. Uh, so you're seeing a lot of that. So that's something to be very cognizant of is the social engineering. And again, the risk transference of don't buy insurance just because you think you have to use it. Buy it because you never want to have to use it, but you want to know it's there to take a huge problem and make it very small and make it go away. Get out of jail free card is how I always, I, the monopoly, get out of jail free card. If I can describe insurance in any way, that is the perfect way to describe it. I agree. No. Same here. And my tip of the week is like we talked about in the show. If somebody unsubscribes from your email or text messages, please do not add them back to your list and continue to harass them. Thank you for that. Okay. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thank you, uh, Josh. Thank you for being on. Sure. Thanks for having talks. me. Oh, no worries, sir. And Mike, again. I'll see you guys next week. And uh, thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as Google and Spotify. And uh, also, it'll be on YouTube as well, the video. So have a great weekend. Happy June, first Friday of the month. Thank you, guys, and I'll see you guys later. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks. This has been Home to All, an all-inclusive real estate podcast. Find Nick on Facebook and Instagram at downtown.expert and also his website, www.downtown.expert or call or text him at 407-508-8809. Thanks for listening. Don't spend hours or days looking for your new home. 
Let a downtown Central Florida expert guide you. I'm Nicholas Acosta, and I'm here to welcome you home. Being a Florida native, I know how exciting, stylish, and convenient the downtown lifestyle can be. From the nightlife scene in the heart of downtown to the natural beauty of Florida, I'm Nicholas Acosta, and I'm here to welcome you home.